It's great to see so many of y'all having grown up here at church, know and, and seen y'all, and be able to see y'all now as part of the youth group of the church. I, I'm excited about what uh, the growth that has happened, the maturity that has happened. Um, every year when uh, Pastor Jeremy asks me, and I, I feel privileged that he does ask me and, and, and uh, uh, allows me to come and preach, I, I'm excited about the theme because I feel like that theme just sets the tone uh, for where we're going and for what God's going to do uh, during the time that we have these nights together. And uh, this, uh, this year's theme, I believe he, he, he laid it out for you guys. Anybody know what this year's theme is? What is it? I noticed that it's a, it's a you know, Friday night. It's the first time, you know, with COVID and everything, I know even having been here on, when, on uh, Sunday nights, you still just, you got to get, you know, more comfortable. But loving God, that is exactly right, as you mumbled uh, to me here just a few moments ago. Uh, but loving God, and I'm excited about that. So if you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew 22, Matthew 22, 37. And um, this is our theme verse, and we'll kind of use it every night, even though we won't necessarily stay in it every night, but it will, we'll definitely use it as our theme verse and take off from there, all right? Um, if you have it on your phone, fantastic. If you have it on the hard copy, even better, uh, but just have it in front of you. And, uh, and just uh, we'll get there in just a second. How many of you know that I work at Camp Loma Vida? How many of you already knew that? You already knew that. All right, so about 99% of you. A few of you visiting maybe didn't know that. All right. Well, at Camp Loma Vida, in the last um, 2007, so in the last 13 years, we began a project out where um, in the northern part of Edinburgh, what I call ranch country, we began a, a project out at ranch country. And I remember early on in, in, in the end of uh, 2008, beginning of 2009, we began to do some what, what they call land clearing, okay? So there was all this brush, this mesquites, and there there was a caliche pit. So how many of you know what a caliche pit is? How many of you know what a caliche pit? Not, not many of you do? Okay, it's this pit that is this big old hole where they got all this dirt that they use at the bottom of the roads. Um, like back here next to the basketball court, you see that rocky ground? That's Caliche. And so there in, in that property where the camp was at, there was a lot of this in the ground, and so they came and they dug it out. Well, early on, there was no roads that went through the property. There was none of that. So we had to go in there in 2009. I remember January of 2009, a friend of mine came down from Georgia with some equipment, and we started to make roads into this property, right? And, uh, and when he brought down his equipment, one of his pieces of equipment was something called a bulldozer. How many of you know what a bulldozer is? How many know what a bulldozer is? Even Jaden back there knows what a bulldozer is. Fantastic. So a bulldozer, it's this big piece of tractor-looking equipment, right? And uh, this thing is used for what? Anybody know what it's used for? Somebody give me what, what it's used for. You got to speak up because I can't hear you. What is it used for? Talk to me. What is a bulldozer used for? To cut grass, yes, that's correct. No, no, it's not used to cut grass, right? So what's it used for? It clears the land. It pushes dirt, okay? The, the piece of equipment that they brought down from Georgia that we got at the camp, and we had it there for up until about 2016, 2017, I think. Um, during that 10 years, this piece of equipment, 22,000 pounds of steel, okay, 22,000 pounds of steel. If you were to see 
um, there at the property at camp, there were these big old huge mounds of dirt, okay? They would go up into the air, I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 feet high. They were about the size of the building here, as far as wide. They were about that wide. And we didn't like those big mounds there. We wanted it flat. We wanted to use some of that dirt for some other roads. And this big, heavy equipment would come, and it would push somewhere between 11,000 to 12,000 pounds of dirt at a time. It would shove that dirt. It had a 10-foot blade by about 6 foot high. So this thing was um, about two of these screens together would be about the size of the blade and maybe even a little bit taller as far as the height. And it would come and it would shove with all of its power, 22,000 pounds of steel, that 10-foot blade, 11,000 pounds of dirt just being shoved in one direction. It was amazing. It was incredible. I love heavy equipment. You, somebody talked about uh, knocking down buildings. Yes, sometimes when they come in and they're going to demolish a building, they'll have uh, one piece of equipment, maybe like an excavator with a, with a bucket. They'll knock it down, and then the bulldozers will just come and just shove all of that block and all of that steel out of the way, and it'll just clear it. If you uh, go on YouTube and you can see when they mine uh, things up in the mountains, they'll bring in just two or three bulldozers and an entire mountainside will be gone in just a few days because those bulldozers can just push so much dirt. John Deere 750 is what was at the camp. A John Deere 750, there's a John Deere 450, a 550, a 650, and then there's a John Deere 750. This is 22,000 pounds of steel, 11,000 pounds worth of weight that it can push around. It is a super duper strong thing. Uh, towards the last few years that we had it at the camp, I learned to toy around with it, to drive it. And man, it, you feel so powerful up there because you could just literally see like a bunch of trees and mesquites that if you were to go and push against that mesquite, like you, you could barely like, like some of the young men in this room, sometimes they help me at camp moving branches and they're like one branch was like, Ugh, and it's really hard. But there's a big old tree and you put that blade down, you put it right in front of that mesquite and it just it like doesn't even stop. It just goes right through it. It can be 10, 11,000 pounds of weight, and it's just going to go right over it like nothing. Powerful, powerful. But one day, we uh, got into that bulldozer, and we turned it on. The engine roared on. I mean, it's just a big old strong engine. Roars on, and then when it's cold, you can just hear it rumbling as it warms up and gets ready. And we took the brake down. There's a lever. You put the brake down. And then you go put it into gear, and it's supposed to go. Well, we put the brake down, and we put it into gear. Nothing. Nothing. I tried it again, did something else. Nothing. So after a few hours, I said, no, nope, this is wrong. This is bad. So we came, and uh, we brought a mechanic out there. That's what you do when you have a problem, right? You, you know, a piece of equipment, you don't know what's going on. You bring a mechanic um, uh, the Quayads, their dad, sometimes he likes to do mechanic stuff, and he'll learn how to do certain things. But we brought a, a mechanic out there that works on equipment, and he came and he looked at it and he said, everything is right, John. Everything is the way it's supposed to be. I don't understand it. All, all the things are in gear. Everything's happening. I don't understand what's going on. But um, I, I, we're sitting on a piece of equipment that's 20-something thousand pounds of steel. It, it has the power to push over 11,000 pounds of dirt, of trees, of weight in front of it. It's got a 10-foot blade by 6 feet high. It can knock down buildings. It can do all kinds of stuff. But it just 
didn't work for us. Didn't work for us. Well, literally two to three mechanics later, several literally dozens of hours of work going up and down that, that uh, machine, and we couldn't figure it out. I had professional mechanics out there, and we couldn't figure it out. Finally, there was an old farmer that comes down and helps us out at camp, and he's been working on these type of equipments for, for many, many decades since he was a young man. He's up into his 70s now. His name is Mr. Charlie. And Mr. Charlie, he got up there, and he started working with it just a few minutes. And after a few minutes, the next thing I know is I see that machine starting to walk again, and it was rolling around. I ran over to him. I said, Mr. Charlie, what in the world? We have been putting so much money and so many hours. I brought professional mechanics. I said, what happened? What did you find out? Well, this is what happened. So when you stop the machine, you push the brake down, and there's a levers that you push towards you. When you release those levers, there's a foot brake that's supposed to pop up, and you've got to pull it close to you. And what was happening was that that brake was not pulling close to you. So even though you had 20,000 pounds of steel, and even though you had the power to knock over 11,000 pounds of weight in front of you, you had to pull that thing close to you in order to make it work for you. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. It says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You know, we live in a world that has a lot of misconceptions about God. They have a lot of misunderstandings about God. We have a lot of people that think that they understand how God works for them, but really they don't understand the true God and they don't know what God is about. We have a generation that thinks that they've tried God and thinks that it hasn't worked for them, and so therefore they think it's worthless. You see, they've looked at the, they've looked at the 22,000 pounds of steel. They've looked at what he could possibly do, but it just hasn't worked for them. And the problem is, is that because there's a part of it that just needs to be brought closer to them. And this, more, this evening, young, young people, I want you to think about that reality. Because what we find in Matthew 22 and what we want you to think about this evening is about the reality that in bringing God close to you, there is great benefit and blessing to your life. Let me say that one more time. In loving God, in bringing God close to you, there is great benefit and blessing to your life. And this evening I want to challenge you just in regards to that thought. The verse there in front of us says that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all thy soul and with all thy mind. In another portion which we saw in the video, it adds with all thy strength. And we're going to talk about that over these next three nights. But tonight I want to deal with that first part. It says thou shalt love, love. Um, that word love in this passage it's, it's, a, it's a word that is, uh, thou shalt love is actually all one word in, in the original way that it was spoken or the original way that it was written. So that word love doesn't stand by itself necessarily. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a term that includes all those words. You shall love or you, 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 you need to love God with all your heart. And tonight I just want to focus on that one part tonight. 
You shall love God with all your heart. You need to draw him close to you. Why? Because that power and all that weight and all that game-changing, amazing things that God can do is only activated, only effective as we pull him close. And that is what Jesus answered these Pharisees, these religious leaders. They came to him and they said, uh, Jesus, what's the most important thing? What's the most important rule of the Bible? What's the most important thing that is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus said, let me tell you, I'll tell you what it is. It's you need to love God. You need to draw him close to you. And tonight I'd like to deal with that phrase, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. You know, that word heart is a very uh, interesting word. In the Greek, it's this word called cardia, okay? How many of you have ever, ever heard of a, of a cardiac problem? Anybody heard of that in, in a medical term? You've heard of a cardiac, right? Because we, in medical terminology, we use that word cardiac, you know? Um, if you have a, a heart situation, you have a cardiac problem or you have a cardiac issue if uh if uh, you're working on your uh endurance you're trying to build up your cardiac resistance your ability for your heart to produce enough blood and oxygen into your blood and so we find this word cardia well in the bible that word cardia it means like the seat or the center of your passion it means what the seat or center of your passion that's what i'm talking about so here, when the Bible says you need to love God with all your heart, it's really saying you need, to live, you need to love God with all your passion, with all your passion. Now, I love dealing with teenagers because teenagers understand that word passion really well. You guys are passionate about a lot of things, and you're developing in that area of your life as you love uh, sports, you love your friends, uh, you love shows, you love characters in the shows. Um, I, I, I thought about it, but time's getting away from us. I could name uh, several names uh, that for you would spark some passion, whether it be a team, whether it be a friend's name, whether it be an actor, actress's name, maybe even a singer's name. But there are some things that for you, you're passionate about and that's great because you understand that term passion you understand what the term means and how the, the the center or the focus of your passion what that means and what that looks like so this evening in the moments that we have together i want to talk to you this evening about loving god with all your passion loving god with all your passion. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this time, these moments together. Father, I thank you for the young people that are paying attention, sitting up straight and tall, and just focusing on your word. Because, Father, I'm not worthy of that attention. I'm not worthy of uh, that focus, but you are, and your word is. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just help them to do that. Help us to learn together this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Jesus said this answer to them. And he said that one word in the Greek, and that one word in the Greek that speaks about love, it is a personal present participle. It's a, it's a personal action verb. So it's telling the, the hearer, the listener, which tonight is me and you, even though this was written 2,000 years ago by, by one of the disciples, Matthew, it was written with God's Spirit directing him, knowing that 2,000 years later, seated in Bethany Baptist Church in the little room number three of the youth room was going to be some young people that needed to hear that they were being commanded to passionately 
have a love for their God. And it was to be a personal passion. Number one, I want to challenge you in regards to a personal passion. You see, uh, I want to encourage you because as I look around here, I see some Christian young people that your parents were Christians. I see some Christian young people that your grandparents were Christians. I even see some young people who your great-grandparents were Christians. And that is wonderful. That is awesome. That's a wonderful reality. But I want you to realize that the Bible tonight, it speaks to us in a very personal way. And this reality of thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart is a reality that is meant for you as an individual person. It's meant for you as you, being the unique person that God created, being the individual creation that God had in mind as he formed you and made you in your mother's tummy. He sat there and made you special and unique unique and every person is different and every person is special but tonight God has made you with a desire so that you personally would have a passion for him a loving passion for him it's a personal passion it's a passion that says to you and to me on an individual term that Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, the creator of the universe wants us to love him personally personally and again, I love this generation. I love this age because you understand that. You see, uh, you uh, don't hope that um, as you develop friendships that, you, uh, that your friends look at you as just, a, a, you're one of the friends that they have. Man, everybody's looking for somebody to be that special friend, that personal friend, that one and only friend. And man, what a difference it is when, when somebody takes a personal interest in you. You see, it's, it's different if uh, somebody shows up to the party and, and they're there um, because they want to be around the friend or if they showed up to the party because they want to be with you. You see, that personal connection is something that is very different. You know, it's, it's when, uh, when somebody says, hey, uh, do you, uh, you want to go to the movies? And, and, and you're like, oh, yes, I want to go with you. And they're like, oh, no, no, but like all of our friends, are like all of us to go. And they're like, oh, oh, like you just wanted to go with me. See, there's a personal, it's different when it's personal connection. You see, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's the idea that now something connects between us individually and personally. You see, it's, it's that moment when you sit down at your diary at night and you write down, so-and-so looked really cute. To, no, y'all, none of y'all do that. I know, I know y'all don't do that. That was a long generations ago, but... When you take notice of that individual person, when you take notice of that individual, you see tonight, Jesus Christ, Jehovah God, tonight God says, thou shalt love the Lord, Jehovah God, thy God, with all thy heart. This is a personal passion. This is not a passion that is because of your family goes to church. This is not a passion because you're part of a Christian nation in America. This is not part of a, of a passion just because you're part of the church no this is a personal passion that you are to have in loving god so i want to encourage you tonight that begins with a personal relationship with jesus christ that begins with a moment in time in which you realize that he first showed his love to you by dying on a cross two thousand years ago 
and allowing Roman soldiers to put nails into his feet, into his hands, and to put a crown of thorns upon his head. And there he bled and died and suffocated, not able to be able to push his legs up to grasp one more gasp of air because his knees had been crushed and his legs had been crushed so that he was able, not able to breathe and suffocated and was tortured and died on a cross for your sins and for my sins in his demonstration of love was the first act of wanting to have a personal connection with us tonight young person i want to encourage you in regard to a personal passion a personal passion to love god personally it begins with establishing a relationship. For me, that happened when I was 12 years of age. I remember uh, sitting next to my uh, dad's desk, or actually kneeling next to my dad's desk in his office, and I remember recognizing the need that I needed to not play games anymore with God, that at that moment, I had fooled a lot of people. I had been around church, and I knew how, what to say, and I knew how to act, but truthfully, in my heart, I had never been forgiven of my sins, and wickedness reigned freely inside of me, and I needed to, even though I had been around church my whole life, even though I had gone to camps, even though I had gone to vacation Bible schools, even though I had gone to a Christian school, it didn't matter. I personally did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I realized that, and I made a decision right at that moment. It was a personal relationship. Tonight, God is calling us to a personal passion. It says, thou, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, but not only to a personal passion, but tonight, he's, uh, he's calling us to a palpable passion. Anybody know what it means to be palpable? What, what does that word palpable mean? Anybody, anybody know? So I, that, that word just, that you've lost. You lost me, right? Uh, it's palpable, okay? So if I were to sit here and I would say, uh, somebody's calling me, hold on. And I go like this. Do I have a phone in my hand right now? No, right? I have an imitation of a If I go, oh, somebody's calling me, and I go like this, do I have a phone now? Yes, I have a, a touch, palpable, real, it's physically there, it's real, it's touchable, it's real, it's intentional, it's something that is real. Tonight, young person, not only is God calling us to love God with all of our passion, not only does it need to be a personal passion, it needs to be a palpable passion. Go with me to Matthew 15, and I'm just going to look at a few of these verses as time is slipping away. I'm trying to be brief tonight. I want to be brief because I know your attention span is only about as long as your Fortnite game, which is only about 17 minutes, right? How many of y'all have like 17-minute Fortnite games? How many of you play Fortnite? Raise your hand. Fortnite. Fortnite. What? Not You bunch of liars. We're in church. You can't lie like that. Man. Wow. I feel like having an invitation right now just for that lie. Dear Jesus, please. Um, anyways, um, trying to be about as brief as a, as a Fortnite game. Yeah, Matthew 15 and verse number 8. It says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips. But what does that last part say? Anybody have that verse in front of them? But their heart is far from me. When I'm talking about a palpable passion, I'm talking about something that is beyond lip service. I'm talking about something that is, is not something you just talk about, and it's something that when your parents are there, and when you're talking with Pastor Jeremy, and when you're talking with your church friends, it's something that you talk about. No, I'm talking about something that's real. It's not a fake. It's not a mirage. It's not something I'm just giving lip service to, but it's something that is real to me, that my heart, the center of of my passion is pursuing and there's action behind it there's action behind it matthew chapter 13 and verse number 15 if you have it there with me in the same book of matthew 
chapter 13 and verse number 15, it says the following. It says, for this people's heart is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Now, that word gross, it doesn't mean, again, yeah, I want you to understand it. It doesn't mean like gross. Like it's not that kind of gross, okay? This is King James Version of, the, of a word wax gross. means that, that it's, it's like the hands of, 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 how many of you have dads that work with like machetes or shovels or, or with something with their hands? They're bricklayers or carpenters. Anybody here that has like that? Okay. Have you ever shook, shake your dad's hands or ever noticed your dad's hands? They're just as soft as butter, right? No, no, no. They're not like that, right? Uh, they become like really rough, really rough. And, and this is what the Bible's talking about here. When it says that the people's heart has waxed gross, it means it's rough. It, it's no longer sensitive. It's no longer uh, uh, inclined to touch. When, when God reaches out, it no longer has an effect on them. That touch doesn't mean anything anymore. Oh, this is, a, oh, this is so good for you guys in that 13 to 18 year range, in that 12 to 18 year range. Why? Because that first time that you're there and you're at the, um, y'all do skating rink? No, y'all don't do skating rink. Well, whatever. The first time that you're there at the movie theater and you're uh, sitting next to her and her hand brushes your arm and you're like, ooh. And, and man, that touch means so much. All of a sudden, uh, that first brush, that touch means so much. Well, here, God is saying, your heart, this is important. Your heart, young person, is, is towards God. Is it one that when God and you have an encounter that it, you walk away having known that that meant something or are your hands like that worker's hands that God comes to touch and it doesn't make a difference. You barely even feel it. You barely even notice it. You see, tonight God is calling us to love with a passion that's a personal passion. It's a palpable passion. It's a passion that will pursue something. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're here in Matthew chapter number 6. And it says in verse 21, Matthew 6, 21, it says, uh, or let's go to verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, it's a palpable passion in that it's not something you're just playing lip service to. It's not something that when you have an encounter, you barely even notice that you and God met. It's not something that doesn't drive where your treasure is. It's a, it's a palpable passion in that it makes you change what you're going to do, what you're going to pursue, what you're excited about, what you're passionate about. And listen, when you're, when, when you're a young person, you're developing those passions. You're developing what you really like. You see, I, I, I'm, I've been around. I remember uh, uh, teaching uh, sixth grade, seventh grade in Ann Richard Middle School here in La Jolla. And I remember uh, talking with a young girl that, man, she was just big into uh, uh, poems. And she was big into collecting poems. And, man, she would come into my class, my choir class, and she would talk about all these poems that she watched. And I remember another person that was big up into music. And, man, every single day she would come in singing or he would come in singing. And he knew the newest song. And I meant to look up, by the way. I, I was going to name for, I was going to have all the adults stand up and I was going to name the top five songs or the top five artists and I was going to mix in some artists that, 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 that aren't really there and see if they knew which ones are there because I'm so lost with your generation when it comes to music. But you know what music you're passionate about and, and you know what came out and you know what the newest song is and you know what the newest group is and you're passionate about something. You're, it's something that you put a treasure in. You're guided by it. And tonight, God is saying, love God 
with all your passion, with all your heart, and it should be a palpable passion. It should be a passion that guides your heart to put treasure in what you're doing with your love, your relationship with God. Tonight, young person, can I challenge you in regards to that? Can I challenge you in regards to what are you passionate about? You know, it's great to be passionate about sports. It's great to be passionate about music. It's wonderful to have those passions. But by and large, can I tell you something? They should look miniature next to your passion in your loving God. They should look tiny by comparison to your passion of loving God. Because there is no greater thing that you can develop at a young age than a love for God. And you know what? We live in a generation that wants to look at that as being an adult thing. And you know what? The world has done an excellent job of that. They make us think that religion and religious things, they're not for kids. Therefore, we yank it out of the school. Therefore, we yank it out of curriculum. Therefore, we try and yank it out of any movies or anything like that. Uh, the religious people are always the religious crazy fanatics. They're not the heroes of the movie. And, and, and now we've barely come around to where now there's movies like Courageous and there's uh, movies like Facing the Giants that finally there's something. But man, for a long time, there was nothing. And that doesn't come out of Hollywood. It comes out of a completely different uh, a maker of movies out in atlanta why because they don't want god to be the center of your passion and they know that if you develop that at a young age what a difference that can be where you put your treasure where you start storing up your treasure so i want to encourage you tonight young person loving god with all your passion it's a personal passion it's not something your parents can do for you. It's not something I can do, Pastor Jeremy can do for you. It's not something your grandparents can give you. No, it's a personal passion. It's a personal desire to love God with all your heart. It's a personal desire that you have to want to love and pursue God in a palpable way, in a real way, in a physical way, in a way that it directs what you say, in a way that it directs those conversations that you have as you play Fortnite and you have the microphone there and you hear certain things and you say certain things and man, does it cause your heart to stir when your buddy sits there and says something that offends God? Does it, does it cause you to stop and think when you release those words that offend God and and they go contrary to what he says when those conversations and those jokes get directed in a way that is contrary to God you say pastor John you mean that that matters yes because that is a palpable passion that's a passion that is not in the realm of up here and yeah I love God but then I live however I want no it's a passion that says it's palpable it's actionable it's something that's going to be practically different in my life that I'm going to talk differently. I'm going to love things differently. I'm going to look at things differently because of a palpable passion I have for loving God. It's a personal passion. It's a palpable passion. I want to talk about tonight it being a pure passion. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. And this for our generation is of utmost importance. If you miss everything else, I want you to focus tonight on this because this is where the rubber meets the road. That, that is to say, like on a tire, you know, a tire is a rubber. And the rubber comes onto the, onto, the, onto the road. And right where that meets is really where the friction is, really where the action takes place. Um, uh, I remember my football coach, he would uh, coach us up and he would say, uh, you know, it's good to be hyped up. It's good to be full of all this energy. But uh, there comes a moment in the game where uh, that linebacker, he's coming through the hole and, and and you need to be able as a blocker to in that moment of impact in that moment of 
of, of, of that impact for you to be ready in that split second to be stronger, to make the play, because it's in that moment of impact that it really matters. Well, I want to tell you tonight that in our lives, in our Christian lives, what I'm about to talk about is exactly that when it comes to loving God. It's that pure passion. It's not only a personal passion, not only a palpable passion, but that pure passion. You say, what do you mean? Well, look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse number um, uh, verse number 28, excuse me, I said verse 8, it's verse 28. It says in verse number 27, you've heard that I said of the time of them of time old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her. Where? Already in his what? In his heart. You see, uh, when we talk about loving God with all of our passion, with all of our heart, when we talk about that, you see, that's that moment of impact. That's the moment when we decide whether sin is going to reign freely there or whether our love for God is going to reign freely there. You see, every single person, it's not about just the exterior. It's not about changing yourself so that you appear to be somebody who loves God. It's about the fact that that passion needs to be a pure passion. It needs to be a passion that on the inside, inside of your heart, it makes a difference. It makes a difference because you see the real struggle of sin is a sin in the heart. Let me say that one more time. A real struggle with sin is a sin in the heart. You see, that's the sin that I can't see. You see, um, I've got some of my children here, and, and, and many, many days go by where, um, I'll go with the two youngest ones, with the two little ones where I'll hear something about, he got my charger, and, and, and he did this, and, and there's a friction that takes place. That is a, a, a physical sin, right? He pushed me, he shoved me, he hit me, and, and, and I can see that sin taking place. But you know that the greatest sin is not whether you push your sister or pulled her. Uh, right now, there was a viral, a viral video. Did y'all see that? Uh, of the little girl at the birthday party, and she was blowing out the candle, and she was like, ah, you know, pulled her hair. That's a, that's a physical sin. We can see that on the outside. But you know what the truest, most dangerous sin is that we're going to face, that you're going to face, that I'm going to face? Isn't one that people can see on the outside. It's a sin of the heart. And so when we say tonight that this verse of Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, thou shalt love, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, here's the greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. He's talking about that, the part that nobody could see, the part that only you and God know. You see, it's that private setting on your iPhone. You see, it's that moment when you're there in the room and nobody else can see. You see, it's that moment when you have that chat that nobody else is following but just you and him and just you and her. It's that moment when you're there and you have opportunity and you can sin in your heart. You see, it's that moment when you say, uh, that, like that little girl who was in a fight with a little five-year-old girl who was in an argument with her parents and her parents said, uh, you better stand up. And she said, no, I'm not. And she, you better stand up. No, I'm not. You better. And so they physically got the little girl and they stood her up and she said, okay, but inside I'm sitting down. See, it's not about physically changing you. You see, I can grab you and I can put different clothes on you and I can comb your hair differently and I can put different attire on you and I can drag you to church and I can drag you to the Christian school. But you know what? None of that is really going to matter because you see in the heart, in that area where nobody else can see, that's what Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 28 is saying. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already. Oh, he never touched her. He he never did anything with her, but in his heart, 
is where the sin was committed. And young people, tonight I want to encourage you when it comes to loving God. It's loving God out of a personal passion, out of a palpable passion, out of a pure passion. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians is a, a, a book in the later part of the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5. If you can't find it, just listen carefully. See, this is so important. Because you see, how many of you heard a couple um, months ago, the state of California had said, we don't want churches to sing inside of their auditorium. Anybody hear, hear that? Anybody re read an article or saw the news on that? I know this is a generation, maybe at that point, that you're not watching that kind of news. But believe it or not, in the state of California, they passed a law in certain areas of California, I'll put it that way, that the people in these churches could not sing out loud in their churches. You can go to church, keep your mask on, but don't sing. And I thought, you know, there was a lot of conversation about that. But this, I love this because this verse here, it speaks about those moments. Like I remember reading stories about World War II and Christians and Jews that had to hide in closets. And they had to hide in different places. And as they were there, these Christians calling upon the Lord and singing to the Lord. But they couldn't sing out loud Look at what it says in verse number 19 of Ephesians 5. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It doesn't say singing and making melody in your mouth to the Lord, although I love singing. I love hearing praise. That song we sang earlier, what a beautiful name. What, it's a great song. It's wonderful to hear young people be able to call out and sing. But you know what, going back to this reality of understanding that loving God with all of our passion, with all of our heart, it comes out of a pure passion. It's, it's the sins of the heart that we got to be careful. It's the fact and the reality that it's in the heart where we're going to worship God, where we're truly going to build our relationship with God. It's the reality that there's a blessing when we come. Look at uh, verse number 8. Just listen to me, and I'm almost done. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart because they shall see God. You see, when Jesus said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. He was talking about that center of your passion. He was talking about that place where sin and righteousness fight and there's a victor every single moment of every single day. Every single moment of every single day, there is a victor, and it's either righteousness or sin in your heart. Every single day, you decide who's going to be the winner. And this about loving God with all our passion, with all our heart, it's a call to a personal passion. It's a call to a palpable passion. It's a call to a pure passion that truly inside your heart, you are right with God. You are right in loving Him because loving Him doesn't necessarily have to do with the outside. It does translate to that eventually, but it definitely begins on the inside. And tonight, young person, it's a comforting thought, but it's also a challenging thought. You know why it's a challenging thought to Pastor John? Because Pastor John knows Pastor John's heart. And you know why it's a challenging thought to you? Because you know your heart. And you know what you struggle with. And you know what amount of hours and moments and decisions righteousness wins. And you know what amount of hours and moments that sin wins. And when it comes to loving God, we are challenged to have that personal passion. We are challenged to have a real, tangible, palpable passion. 
we are challenged to have a pure passion. Pure passion. How's your purity tonight? How's your thought life tonight? How's your relationships tonight? Are you a person that is encouraging the right type of loving God moments in your life? If not, then God brought you here tonight to encourage you in regards to that, to make some decisions, to make some choices. Let's pray.